0: And SiriusXM. I am your host, Nick Eber. It is a pleasure and a privilege to be with you today on uh, SiriusXM and the Sports Byline Broadcast Network, as well as iHeartRadio. Uh, tune in the award-winning SiriusXM app. I'm with you each and every weeknight, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern Time. Then again, midnight Pacific. Uh, that is uh, 3 a.m. on the East Coast, for all you early birds out there listening, on Sports Overnight America. Um, look, Lots to get to today. We're going to talk about the Euros. The finals are set. I'm not going to give you my predictions for the final game. I'm going to do that. I'll do that on Friday. as The game is Sunday. Um, today, let's talk about the Euros. Let's talk about the tournament as a whole. Let's talk about the semi-final games, which have both been played now. My Both my predictions coming true. In fact, I had England winning in extra time, and, and that is what happened. Uh, lots to get to today. Uh, plus, I, I'm going to broach a topic that is... Uh, many people have told me just to stay the heck off this topic but I'm opinionated and I'm going to get on this topic I want to talk about the US women's national team's equal pay crusade uh, because we are getting ready to kick off the uh, Summer Olympic Games in Tokyo and if you don't know by now uh, the women's soccer Olympic gold is considered... I Look, I, I suppose if you're an England supporter, the World Cup is one and the Euros is number two. If you're a fan of the U.S. women's national team, uh, and you should be, the number one is the women's World Cup and number two would be the Olympics because there aren't quite the same restrictions on the women's game uh, in terms of the Olympic Games. So I, I want to use this opportunity to talk about their, uh, the, the documentary on HBO uh, what's going on in their fight for pay equality, uh, what the courts have said, and I'm going to give you my opinion whether you like it or not. So that's what's on tap today. If you're looking for my picks for the Eurofinals, uh, I'll be doing that on Friday, but I will, of course, be talking about the semifinals uh, and um, giving you my take on that. All right. Find my podcast network, the Believe, B-L-E-A-V podcast network, You can find me there right after this show is concluded. You can download the show, have it go to your device. Uh, This is World Soccer Radio. I'm Nick Gieber. I'll be right back after this. For radio on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Sirius XM, iHeartRadio. Tune in the award winning Sirius XM app. And I would like to welcome to the show all of our men and women in uniform around the world serving uh, our great nation, listening on the American Forces Network. What a pleasure. What a pleasure it is to be with you today. Uh, we have the final set for. The euros and needless to say it's going to be england versus italy uh, and if i pull out my bracketology from the start i can promise you that's not what i had there was no way i had england in the finals i actually thought the finals were likely to be uh, italy belgium or something along those lines anyway italy i had italy in the finals i like this italian team i think this italian team is outstanding if you look at If you look at the sum total of this Italian team over the tournament, you will realize just how strong they have been, and we're going to talk about England. But if you understand that coming into this tournament, Eng- England were the second favorites at 500, Italy plus 1,000. By the way, I'm getting these odds from betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts, uh, what a a fantastic place this is if you would like to uh, hazard a wager on sports. They have everything you might want. Baseball, football, uh, soccer, um, hockey, politics, uh, darts, boxing. The list goes on. If you could think of uh, a, a weird niche sport, they're going to have that as well. They have everything you might want. All sorts of bets. Everything from uh, in-game betting uh, to, um, uh, to prop bets. Uh, they've got everything that you might want. Uh, BetOnline.ag, head over there right now on your mobile device or on your desktop. Uh, if you sign up now, they'll give you a 50% deposit uh, 50% deposit bonus on your first deposit. That's right, you get a 50% bonus on your first deposit at BetOnline.ag, uh, your online sportsbook experts. This show presented by BetOnline.ag. By the way, I'm looking at the UEFA club rankings. How on earth... Is Arsenal <laughs> two points behind Liverpool? I scratch my head. <laughs> I don't think. Ah, uh, I don't think as uh, much to say. If you want to look at association club coefficients, which is uh, UEFA's ranking of the relative strength of their member associations and leagues, England are top, Spain second, Italy third, Germany fourth, France fifth. Uh, it's sort of interesting, I guess. I mean, probably nothing in there that we would be uh, that would surprise us too much. By the way, uh, Champions League first round qualifying under, uh, has has happened today already, and um, this is very early qualifying for the Champions League. It's kind of what makes it fun. You get teams like Connor's K from Wales against Alaskut from Armenia. Shakhtar from Belarus against Ludogorets from Bulgaria. Sheriff, I have no idea where they're from, against Tuta from Albania. Malmo against Riga. Shamrock Rovers against Bratislava. Dinamo Tbilisi against uh, Nefti from Azerbaijan. Ligia from Poland against Boda from Norway. Look, I don't need to read all these out, but it, it's fun. I mean, this is one of the cool things. And, and most of the time, you're never going to see these games, uh, but they are they are pretty cool. So England beat Denmark set up an England-Italy final in the Euros, and um, I will say this, uh, there is lots of discussion about, let's just deal with England first, lots of discussion about the penalty that Raheem Sterling drew uh, in the box uh, against Denmark. Was it a penalty? Wasn't it a penalty? Uh, I would say it's a 50-50 call. The ref made the call, and VAR did not come up with enough offsetting information to overturn the referee's call. So guess what folks, it's a call. I'm one of these people, I actually like VAR and I pretty much have since its inception. Uh, What I don't like and haven't liked is the offside rule, but that's not VAR, that's actually the rule itself that I think is just awful. I think VAR has done what it is supposed to do 95% of the time. And again, I'm pulling that number out of the thing I'm sitting on. This is not some statistic I have. But on the whole, I think VAR has done what it is supposed to do, which is to correct mistakes that we either made or missed on the pitch because we're all human, because referees are human and players are human and everybody sees things differently except for the camera. So I, I, I think it, it's a really good thing because in this game, goals are so hard come by, particularly when you have two teams. Today's a great example, England, Denmark, for example, or like we had Italy and Spain. These teams are neck and neck. It's not like a basketball game, for example where there's so many baskets scored during a period. Yeah, you know, you may make a bad call in one or the other. And what they do is they bring in VAR, essentially. They have it throughout the, the the game, as you know. But I think in the last three minutes, they can look at certain things that they're not allowed to look for during the game. I actually think basketball does a great job with it, too. So this is not a criticism of basketball. I, I think they they absolutely get the right blend from when it's okay to go to the video because they don't want to keep interrupting the game every four minutes clearly um so it's all good i like var i think it works appropriately i think the danes will feel a little hard done by i think you know look if the referee doesn't make the call and var doesn't see enough information to overturn the non-call then the danes come out ahead it's a coin flip and denmark lost the coin flip And, and and i think That was unfortunate. Kasper Schmeichel made a great save, but as goalkeepers are taught, don't parry the ball back out because of course the penalty taker has the right to slot the ball back in the net after the penalty has been taken. So um, I, I think in that regards, the Danes played exactly how I thought they would play. They played with a high degree of technical efficiency. They played with a high degree of organization. Did they really threaten a lot during the game? Not really. I think they only had six shots on goal to, say, England's 21. Again, not that that statistic necessarily is going to be indicative of the scoreline, but it's certainly indicative of who was creating more chances. Uh, I fully expected that from the Danes. They played exactly the game I thought they were going to play. Uh, What England played was a slightly different game in terms of the mental strength these guys showed on this team was something that surprised me. I really felt when we started to get into extra time uh, and England were pushing at the end of regulation, if you remember, to get a goal, I just kind of thought maybe mentally England will get off the edge and either the Danes will score or this is gonna go to penalties. And by the way, you have to think penalties The Danes with Kasper Schmeichel, who I happen to think is a terrific goalkeeper, uh, would probably have the advantage despite the amount of training that Gareth Southgate has given to uh, the team prior to the game. So anyway, look, this is how it went down. It wasn't a surprise. England finally broke down uh the danish team it was just a matter of time at some point once they start plowing that much pressure and as extra time rolled along the danish team really looked uh like they were exhausted emotionally mentally physically exhausted and and i think it took every ounce they had to at least try to keep mounting some sort of um some sort of uh, posture uh, throughout the uh, uh, latter parts of extra time. So, congratulations to England. They're going to face an Italy team. And after the break, we're going to talk about the Italy Spain semi final. Um, it was an interesting semi final for a lot of reasons. I think, as good as this Italian team are, and I do think they're very good, I think Spain showed a little bit of how they can be had. All right, this is World Soccer Radio. Find me on Twitter at Nick Eber, N-I-C-K-G-E-B-E-R. Find me at Facebook, facebook.com forward slash World Soccer Radio. I'll be right back after this. Here at World Soccer Radio on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Sirius XM. iHeartRadio tune in the award winning Sirius XM app, American Forces Radio, and the podcast available on the Believe Podcast Network or wherever you download your favorite podcasts from. Um, before we get to the Italy Spain semi final, I want to take a personal uh, a moment for a, a personal note here. I um, uh, learned on. Yesterday that uh, a colleague of mine uh, had passed. She, in her 40s, a 10-year-old daughter, uh, she used to work with me at Bluff. Uh, I am very sad about this, and it makes me realize the tenuous hold on life uh, that we all have. It's given me an opportunity to reflect uh, going back to when she worked with me, uh, as we did a lot of the World Series of Poker um, broadcasts. Uh, She worked with me on those, and I remember uh, the World Cups happening over uh, the World Series of Poker. She was always intensely interested in the results. So my thoughts and prayers are with the family of Joy Brown, uh, previously Joy Miller, um, a a tragic, terrible loss, uh, such a a sweet and lovely person taken from us far too young. All right, uh, let's get back to the football. And uh, Italy, Spain, really is one of these games that um struck me as surprising because I, I, I think this Italian team is absolutely terrific. And I think the Spanish team is absolutely average. Despite all the fancy flicks and quick turns and all the stuff that you know, they, they both these teams were doing. Uh, the, the Spanish team just, you know, they said Tiki Taka was dead, but in fact, they kind of play Tiki Taka, except maybe the ball moves forward a bit more under this Spanish team than under the Spanish teams of the past. Despite that, they still manage 16 attempts on target against Italy. And and that is where I think the Italians need to worry. Because I think if you give England 16 attempts, they're going to score a couple of times, no matter how good Donnarumma is uh, and how good your defense is. And don't get me wrong, this Italian defense is really very good. Um, By the way, how can you not love this Italian team and not love... uh, you know, the, the captain, 36-year-old uh, Giorgio Chiellini, who is, uh, you know, uh, I'm smiling because he's 36. He's played 324 minutes in this tournament. 88% parking accuracy, no cards. Cleared the ball 16 times. I'm just looking at the stats on this. He has covered 35 kilometers, folks. He is 36 years old and he is playing football with a joy and a smile as uh, he reaches the swan song of his career how is that going to work when he reaches when he has to defend against guys like raheem sterling and harry kane i think that is going to be tough for the italians look you can have wily defenders that are experienced uh, that are good, knowledgeable. But, you know, the center-back pairing the Italians have of Bonucci, who's 34 years old, and Chiellini, who's 36 years old, I think is going to give them some issues when they play England. It certainly gave them some issues when they played Spain. And yeah, they they wanted on penalties, and you know that's a terrible way to decide the game clearly. But that is the way it happened, and so now we have Italy, England, in the finals of the Euros. And um, as good as this Italian team are, and by the way, if you look at the stats on these two teams, I'm going to say that the Italians have conceded. Did they concede in the quarterfinals? I'm going to tell you right now. They conceded one goal to Belgium and they conceded one goal to Spain. If England have conceded one goal in the entire tournament and they plan to play the likes of Germany to get through. And by the way, maybe this is a testament to just how not very good that German side is. I mean, that's a real possibility, right? But it's going to be interesting to see when the odds are out. And they they could very well be out at any time during this show. I'm right now checking the betonline.ag website. And I'm looking for uh, the uh, finals of the Euros and to see who is the favorites. And remember, England were the favorites coming into the tournament. Um, I was really, really big on... Italy, and I still am. But I think after watching these semi finals, it's going to be very, very difficult for me not to think England are, in fact, the favourites uh, coming in to this final. If you look at, for example, I'm just looking to see if, uh, as I talk to you, I'm actually looking to see. I don't have odds up for it yet. By the way, Brazil and France are one and two, actually tied number one for the World Cup end of next year. England, number three, believe it or not. That is really interesting, is it not? I think they need to re-evaluate re- exactly where the Italians are. But it's going to be a fascinating final. Have you enjoyed the Euros? I know I have. It's been uh, complete with upsets, uh, controversy, uh, tragedy with Christian Eriksen, redemption with his recovery, redemption for the Danish team, making it all the way to the semifinals, and really going out with their heads held high. Uh, it's been a uh, disappointment for some of the odds makers' favorites. I had a podcast I put up entitled, Nick Enjoys Sticking His Finger in the Eye of the Soccerati. And again, Belgium out and Germany out, and the Netherlands out and the French out and the Spanish out, the Portuguese out. I mean, you know, the favorites. Of the people that always like to just look it's very easy to say oh germany will win oh you know france will win although i did pick them to win before the tournament but sometimes you got to grow a pair of balls to say i think it's going to be an england italy final uh, and i didn't pick that so clearly i am lacking in that department when it comes to this particular yeah. example but if th- this tournament has truly had everything that you might want in an international tournament. Excitement, upsets, tragedy, redemption. It's it's a welcome off-ramp from the nightmare COVID freeway we've been on Operation restart in the Premier League with two months of no football, uh, you know, the tournament delayed a whole year. Think about it for a minute. And, and, and the other thing that I've really enjoyed, and I, and I think they need to look at this, is the fact that this tournament wasn't just played in one country. It was spread out over all, it was a pan-European tournament, and they need more of this. I remember that this was the brainchild of Michel Platini before he uh, became uh, persona non grata for very good reason. But I think this is definitely, and look, in an era where we have homeless people and children that can't eat and families that don't have and, 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 and economic hardship and difficulties, Why on earth would you put on the backs of a country taxpayers building an infrastructure to host a big international tournament when you have the infrastructure existing across the region for which your tournament represents? So I think they did a great job. I hope we can see more World Cups rather than country World Cups or continental World Cups. Let's have one in Africa where we play across six or seven different African countries. I love the idea of a Mexico-US-Canada World Cup. I think a continental World Cup is perfect. Because the pan-European Euros this year, I think you could put, you could say unequivocally were a success. Were there certain teams, hello England, that maybe had an advantage because they played more games back in England? Yeah, absolutely, for sure, no, no doubt. But I think that can be um, mitigated by better planning and by... By better organization. Again, not a criticism of UEFA up to this point, but if they do it again, and I hope they do, then all you have to do is spread the matches around to different countries and different cities. There's so many big football stadia all over Europe where these big teams play at the top leagues of the world. Why not? Find me on Twitter at Nagiba, N-I-C-K-G-E-B-E-R, Facebook, facebook.com forward slash World Soccer Radio. I'm going to go to break. When we come back, Let's put on our little topic and hat of controversy. Let's talk about the U.S. women's national team and their quest for equal pay. Be right back after this. Welcome back to the show, World Soccer Radio, presented by BetOnline.ag. I'm your host, Nick Gieber. I'm with you each and every weeknight, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern Time. Then again, midnight Pacific, 3 a.m. on the East Coast, right here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Sirius XM, as well as iHeartRadio. Tune in the award-winning Sirius XM app, the American Forces Network, and our podcast on the Believe, B-L-E-A-V Podcast Network. So, loads of ways to find the show up. Uh, Let's turn our attention away from the Euros uh, for this segment and turn our attention to a topic that I've covered many times on this show. Uh, We're talking about the U.S. Women's National Team uh, crusade for equal pay. Now, let me preface this discussion by saying there is no one more in tune, in agreement um, with the fact that women are oftentimes paid less than men for doing the same work and I believe very strongly that that needs to be rectified. I have no illusions that we live in uh, this great utopian world of equality, racial equality, gender equality, uh, pay equality. I'm sorry guys if you think you're listening to a a, a big bleeding heart liberal. I am indeed a liberal, but, but that has nothing to do with my belief. That, you know, we all need to be treated equally. And certainly in the workplace. So the U.S. Women's National Team has been on a quest for the last number of years, clashing with U.S. soccer, about what they consider to be unequal terms, unequal compensation, unequal everything with the U.S. men's national team. And in return, the U.S. women's national team points to their success on the pitch. Now, I'm going to tell you that... Within the U.S. soccer structure, I believe equality should be the name of the game. And by that I mean if the men fly in chartered jets, the women should fly in chartered jets. If the men stay in five-star five hotels, the women stay in five-star hotels. I mean, that's the least we can do as a nation and a national uh, soccer federation for our athletes that represent the country. So let's let, let's take the the one part of the three pillars here. There's obviously bonuses pay and, and 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 treatment. And and so yes, I completely think they should have everything the men have, the women should have. And by the same token, if the women have something more than the men, if the women fly in a 747 and the men fly in a in a 727, well then the men should fly in a 747. If the men stay at the Ritz Carlton and the women stay at Motel 6, the women should stay at Ritz Carlton too. That's that's what I believe, okay? In a perfect world, if the men make $1,000 a match or $10,000 a match or $20,000 a match, the women should make the same. If the men win a game and U.S. soccer plays them a win bonus of a billion dollars, then the women should get a billion dollars. That's very simple, folks. But what has happened here is that's not the reality on the ground. The reality is that because women's soccer and men's soccer are on very different trajectories, yes, the same game played within the same 90 minutes under the same FIFA rules, but they are very different games in terms of the following. Number one, the maturity of the men's game, the maturity of the leagues around the world for the men's game, number one. Number two, the popularity of the men's game, a game that has been ra- look. When was the first World Cup played? Do you 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 guys know that? I think it was nineteen. Uh, was it when was it nineteen thirty? Uruguay. You know the women's World Cup has been around since the nineteen nineties, and even then. You know, even then, it wasn't really a particular big tournament. Now, look I, I, again. This isn't a criticism of that. This is just a fact. 1991 in 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 China. So the games have different de- uh, different levels of development, and as a result, because there is a collective bargaining agreement between the U.S. women's national team players and the U.S. men's national team players and U.S. soccer. They each negotiated different things that meant, uh, uh, of things that were important to them. Because most of the men, all of the men, are playing professional football for club teams that pay a lot of money unless you're playing in MLS, and even then that's getting a lot better. Most of the men aren't playing for the national team for the compensation. In fact, for many of the top players in the men's game, there is, you know, playing for the men's national team is fraught with danger. It's not about whether you make ten thousand dollars or eight thousand or whatever it is for playing game. If you get injured, you know you have a possibility of losing your multi-million dollar career. Now, the women's game, on the other hand, is not nearly as developed. By the way, I love the women's game, and I love women's club football, and I love women's international football. And I wish, I wish it had the same level of excitement viewership and dollars revenue generated around it then the men's game does it doesn't and you know in 50 years it will but it's developing it's not there so as a result the women negotiated a different agreement with u.s soccer that took into account u.s soccer's stipend for the women's national team selection players playing on their club women's club teams because those teams don't have a lot of money and don't pay much money to the female players on the team by the way would love to see a ton of money invested in the uh, professional women's league here in the US it should be the top number 1 most exciting women's league on the planet where everybody wants to play it should be the English premier league of women's football should be here in the US and we should be getting eyeballs and sponsors because we have the very best players in the world all of who were fighting for a chance to play here. Uh, we will get there, but in the meantime, the women on the national team um, decided that they wanted to have a slightly different compensation structure than the men's. They wanted benefits, they wanted time off, they wanted uh, the ability to have US soccer pay $100,000 a year salary to every women's national team player. And, and again, I, I don't remember if it's every team, women's national team selection, or just those that are playing in the um, NWSL. So, Uh, I I don't know that, but it's one of the two. And the men don't need that and didn't want that because they're paid, you know, US soccer's never gonna pay them that much money that it's gonna make a, a difference, really. So you have these two separate things. That's why you have different pay structures. And the courts have found that this is not unequal pay. This is the result of two different sets of collective bargaining. And the courts are correct. The third item that the women are upset about is the fact that the bonus for winning the team that wins the women's the the, the men's World Cup, I believe the FIFA bonus is thirty million, and I think the bonus for teams winning the Women's World Cup, I think, is like two million. The problem with that is the sponsorship dollars for the Men's World Cup is in the billions because of the sheer number of people that watch the most popular and watch sporting event in the world. It isn't the Olympics, folks. It's not the Super Bowl, okay? It is the World Cup. And the winning, the, uh, $1.4 billion. Revenues from broadcasting rights are going to exceed $3 billion. And sponsorship deals are up over $1.45 billion. That's from KPMG. That's almost $5 billion in revenue. Now, you can ask, you know, why do people give $30 billion to the winning team? That's a great question. Uh, I don't think anyone can answer that question. The Women's World Cup generates substantially less revenue. Yes, they're both FIFA tournaments. Yes, they're both called World Cup. One generates $5 billion in revenue. Here, let me see if I can pull this up here. I've got a computer in front of me. Total Women's World Cup revenue. Here we go. Let's see if I can find this. 38 million for the men's, that was the winning team, four million for the women's. Projected Women's World Cup projected only $131 million in revenue. Okay? And that's why FIFA pays FIFA, not US soccer, FIFA pay a bigger bonus. What the women are saying is because they won the Women's World Cup and FIFA only paid them a $4 million bonus or a one and a half or whatever it was, that US soccer should make up the difference between the 38 million that the men's World Cup winner gets and the four million that the women's world, Cup differ, uh, um, women's world Cup gets, US soccer should make up the $34 million difference. Well, I'm sorry, they're out of their mind. The world doesn't work that way, number one. Number two is the person to sue is FIFA, not U.S. soccer. I think this is uh, a, a, a really, look, I think they are highlighting a real serious issue. But I'm sorry, women's World Cup members. I'm sorry, women's national team players. It's a very serious issue, but it doesn't have any impact on you. It did, yes, absolutely. And you, through your advocacy, have changed it. And now with your collective bargaining agreement, you are getting exactly what you asked for and what you negotiated. And if you don't like it and want more, renegotiate it come the next time. I don't have sympathy for them. They've been to court, they've lost. Their arguments don't make sense. I am all for equal pay. I'm a big supporter of the women's national team. I wish and pray that we can have more sponsorship and more viewers in the Women's uh, Professional League here because it is a great product. And it's going to take time to develop. And it will get there. But this feud has got to end, and it's got to end now. I believe FIFA have already... Uh, FIFA. US soccer have already agreed, travel, lodging, all of that sort of ancillary stuff will be 100% equal as it should. They are now, they pass through the bonuses from FIFA to the teams, so that's not their issue. And lastly, and in the middle, each men's and women's team negotiate their own contract. So the women need to go back when the contract is up and negotiate a new one. In the meantime, they're getting exactly what they asked for. All right, those are my opinions. Twitter me at naebra Facebook facebook.com forward slash world soccer radio I'll be right back all right welcome back world soccer radio sports pilot broadcast network series XM look I you know I'm as I said I my opinions about the US women's national team and the US women's national team players and their lawsuits against against US soccer um, I think they got what they wanted, what they should have is what they wanted and what they should have is what they negotiate and they should have equal pay or they should have a pay structure that they want and negotiate. It's that simple and I believe that's what they have. The World Cup bonuses have nothing to do with US soccer, they have everything to do with FIFA and the amount of revenue that each tournament generates. And the facts that the Men's World Cup, which has been around since 1930, is a much and by far more popular tournament than the Women's World Cup right now. One hopes that will change. But until that time, the financial reality is you can't get water out of a rock. There's just not that much money yet in the Women's World Cup to be paying a $38 million bonus to the winners. Or maybe there is, and FIFA just needs to... Pay a bigger share if that's what they decide but that's between the women's u.s women's national team players and fifa and that's where the lawsuit should be all right um just a reminder i'm with you each and every week night 6 p.m pacific 9 eastern time then again midnight pacific 3 a.m on the east coast i'm with you on the sports byline broadcast network sirius xm the American Forces Network, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, the award-winning SiriusXM app, and you can also find uh, the podcast uh, live, or not live, because podcasts aren't live by their nature, but you can find the podcast on the Believe, B-L-E-A-V podcast network, or on the podcast network of your choosing. In the meantime, send me a tweet at Nick N-I-C-K-G-E-B-E-R, Facebook, facebook.com forward slash World Soccer Radio. I'll be back on the air with you tomorrow. Don't forget, Friday, I'm going to give my breakdown of the Eurofinals. I know my positions on the women's team are controversial. I would love to hear from you and what your opinions are and if you think I'm full of crap. or not. All right, until tomorrow, have a great night, stay safe, and let's count down to the Eurofinals. young coming up the morning thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a 5 star rating on your preferred platform